Brandon Lidet, Swamp Lakes guy. Brandon Lidet, movie man. Oh yeah, Brandon Lidet. Brandon Lidet, loving movies, going to the movies and telling us about it. Oh yeah, Brandon Lidet, Swamp Lakes guy. Welcome to episode 80 of the Swamp Flicks podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. And I'm Brittany Lombos. And we are coming to you from Brittany's apartment in Pigeontown, New Orleans. And this is the podcast version of the movie review website, Swamp Flicks. Woo. <laughs> it's festival season right now. Uh, I think you and I skipped out on French Quarter Fest this weekend. It's too much. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. The weather was really nice. I know. I kind of regret not going yesterday because it was like kind of gray and cloudy and wind and super windy. So I'm sure that like blew some people out. <laughs> Just tumbled them out of the quarter. Tumbled them out. And then like it was probably a little more open and airy and free. I went for like one day last year and I really enjoyed myself. So the food's always good. Yeah. I did not go to that, but I did go to the final New Orleans Comics and Zines Festival oh, last man. weekend. So sad. It is is i think the most like important thing to this podcast and this website i can't overestimate that because like no cast started five years ago it mm-hmm. started well it started in 2014 they missed a year we started talking about doing this blog like right after the first time i went to no cast uh and we all got laid off from the same job in like november of that year right after i went to no cast beautiful time and i don't know that the like hand-drawn illustration things I do for the website, I don't know that they would have looked the way they do if I hadn't gone to a zine festival. Like, I don't know if that's like how I would have done it, but also just the uh, idea of like people making art for their own sake and just having fun, like creating things DIY, whether or not it's like the greatest product. I went to one of them. Mm -hmm. I went to the one before last year because last year I wasn't in town or something. And the same thing this year is just that weekend. But it was so nice because there were people who like would. I remember they were like passing by the table and they were like, cool, what's that? Where, you know, most of the time, like when I bring this up to people like, you know, like at work or like family, I'm like, hey, look at this cool shit that I'm involved with. And everybody's kind of like, oh, yeah, sure. It was just like a a group of like minded people who were just like super interested in like getting into something new and quirky and i don't know it was just really it was really nice it was heartwarming <laughs> and we started making zines because of that festival like i mean there were five years of no cast and for four of them we were there as tablers 
and it's always really fun talking to people as they come by about like what they're interested in and right. trying to like not no not everybody's interested in movies but they still will stop and look at the drawings and stuff yeah. and still talk to you. Like it's still interesting. And I always come out with this like handwritten list of like recommendations people give me every year which is great. This year was good too because I finally got rid of stuff I printed in 2015 for the first year we went. When I printed way too much stuff, I was like over enthusiastic. So it was like a good like closing to the of the festival. Ooh, and it seems like special. it was still like popular enough that it seems like someone will probably pick it up and do something what, different. Do you know the reasoning as to why they're stopping it? I don't know. And I could speculate like maybe burnout or maybe the original organizers are just sort of like, you know, dispersing to different, you know, career paths and things. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like there's enough like enthusiasm, especially with the people tabling, that they yeah. would they would maybe somebody would organize something yeah. to fill that space. Go in a gazebo in a park or something, bring some tables, <laughs> like a birthday party. So yeah, I, I just wanted to acknowledge that, and I also just want to acknowledge that like I don't know, I think of this whole website and stuff as having like a parallel path to NoCas, and I kind of started creating around the time I went there and. It's sad to see it go, and now that it's gone, I'm, like, reflecting back on what we're doing, and I, like, want to make some changes. I think this episode will be the last episode in, like, our usual format. We're going to switch up how we do the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about, like, how the blog looks and all these different things that we can just change. And every time I go to one of those festivals, I want to do more and do better, you know? Right. Like, seeing other other people do their art and do their, like... It's such a wide range of things. There's like prints and jewelry and all kinds of things. But I don't know. It's just always very inspiring and energizing. And I'm energized right now. Also, this yes, guy stopped by the table. Uh, his name, I believe, was Tim. I hope I didn't fuck that up. But he said that he listens to the show, which... <gasps> Did you melt? Yeah. It's so weird. Like, Oh, I would have cried. I always assume <laughs> that like 90% <gasps> of uh, our hits are like bots because I never get any <laughs> feedback from anybody. I think like the last time we got a review on this site was from what, Mr. Hot Dog Boy, like three oh, years ago. I, I still think about it. <laughs> yeah. So like talking to somebody uh, was really nice. Like just in oh, person. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's probably not bots because I don't think bots could like listen to a podcast. I think right? they do. <laughs> oh my God. I'm I paranoid about world. bots. <laughs> I just assume that, like... They can do anything yeah, yeah. that we can do. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm just creating content for bots, and I, that's okay, you know? <laughs> bots and this guy, Tim. Also, we got a letter or an email from this guy, Calvin, from Scotland, who listens to the show. What? He called this out specifically for making fun of Escape Rooms earlier this year when I was talking, when I was talking about the movie. That weird movie? Escape Room, yeah. <laughs> Apparently we were like kind of riffing on escape rooms a little bit on that episode, which I believe like I've never done one before. So it seems like something I would kind of joke about. Was he a fan of them? Yes. He works in one in Scotland (gasps) and he gave us like a recommendation for one in Baton Rouge. That looks really cool. Okay. Uh, And I don't know the way he was kind of selling it to me was like, as like B movies you can live in for an hour. Okay. Like, you know, it has like the set design of like a movie plot and you get, are, become part that. of the plot for like a little bit. I'm just so fucking cheap. I think that's why I was like, I'm not going to pay $20 to, but I might. I mean, I've spent, I put, I've spent $20 on stupider shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and you know, I'm afraid I got addicted to it too. Like there's part of me that's like, what if you really like it? And that's all you want to do. My sister was like addicted to them for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> How many can I get done in a week? It was like a weekly thing. Yeah. <laughs> Calvin also said he looks forward to reading our reviews and is happy to check out the podcast because we managed to be informative and good for a laugh. And that, oh, that made me feel really good. Calvin's an angel. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little Swamp Flicks angel. 
So I don't know. I just want to say thank you to Calvin and Tim. I hope your name is Tim. I talked to a lot of people at Nokaz that weekend, so I have this like paranoia that I forgot his name. Should have written it down. You have a lot of like enthusiasm behind it, so it's got to be Tim. <laughs> I hope so. You know, I don't think your mind would lead you in the wrong way. <laughs> well, if your name's not Tim, uh, come yell at me about that, just like Calvin yelled at me about escape rooms. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to bring all that stuff up because we're talking about like amateur artists today. We're talking about like kind of lo-fi, low-budget like DIY filmmaking. It, that's kind of the general topic of this episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like the no cast stuff just sort of fit in there. And I just really like people making art for themselves and that kind of thing. Yeah. So what have you been watching lately besides these like uh, low budget things we've been watching for this particular episode? I've been watching higher budget things yes. for sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that they're some people say they're movies and some people say that they're like part of a television series. But there's another um, Hulu in the dark I, I think it's like a movie. I think they're movies. They're full. Like, it's an anthology series. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, you know, an hour or so long, but it's a new one called I'm Just Fucking With You. It's their April Fool's Day release. Yes. Like okay. it seems to be like a holiday thing. Yeah, I didn't catch on to it. It's until... once a month, I think, for a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> well, because there was one for New Year's and then there was one for Valentine's Day. But then they had some other ones kind of scattered around. And then there's going to be a Mother's Day one, nice. which I'm excited about because I hope it's about like a mom that kills. I love that kind of stuff. But I'm just fucking with you. Caught my interest because the soundtrack is um, composed by Chino Moreno, lead singer of the Deftones. Yes. Okay. So I'm like, ooh, cool, like a new metal soundtrack. But no, it's like this techno stuff. It was good, but it wasn't like what I expected. So basically, it's about a brother and a sister that are going to this wedding. And on the way to the wedding, they go and rent a room at this place called the pink motel. And the guy that's running the motel looks just like the guy that sings the, if you like pina colada song, (laughs) like spot on. And he's fucking crazy. So he just constantly like jokes. And like after his jokes done, he's like, I'm just fucking with you. And he does it all the time. And he's constantly pranking and joking. And then it becomes like, super aggressive and it gets to a level of being like super creepy and then like it gets super weird obviously you could tell this guy's gonna be the killer early on so i don't think that's spoiling too much um i'm not gonna reveal the ending because i think that will spoil it too much but he gives um the guy who's like this kind of lanky little kind of dorky guy who's super obnoxious and he's like an internet troll gives him like ayahuasca is that how you pronounce it yeah never done it i don't know that much about it but he gives him that and like he has all of his victims like all around this like motel pool which motel pools are so creepy in general i love them so they're all like dead bodies like on lounge chairs around the pool and they've got their like pineapples with little umbrellas (laughs) in it and stuff like that and it's at night and this guy's like floating in this like float in the pool while on ayahuasca like it's just very crazy it's very neon and dark yeah i heard the um production style compared to that scene in um the strangers pray at night where they like jump into the swimming pool yeah totally i heard it has like kind of aesthetic throughout totally yes well what else have you been watching so yeah so that was okay um and then (laughs) so i'm not gonna talk about it too much because you talked about it but pledge is on hulu oh it's on hulu now so i watched pledge and whoa it was so good but i was like so 
Like, I'm like, that was so intense. And I really wanted to go to bed, but it really had my adrenaline rushing. So I'm like, I have to watch something else to like calm it down. Like, that's how my method is. Like when I watch an intense movie, I have to watch something like to help me go to sleep. So you don't want to see frat boys get tortured to death in your dreams. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I watched the lovely bones. Oh, that's and supposed to be really fucked up. I thought it was going to be like a preteen <laughs> drama. <laughs> it wasn't. And it made my whole stomach just like churn. And then I just wanted to puke and I ended up going to bed at like four. That's the Peter Jackson movie. Yeah. So it's from 2009 and it was really like the way it was marketed. It was like very like to, you know, young adults. And I believe it's like a young adult book that it's based off Ooh. of. Right. So, yeah, I watched that. And the chick from Lady Bird is the main girl in it. And I like her. I like mm-hmm. Lady Bird a lot. So basically, it's about a 14 year old girl who gets murdered by a pedophile. Yeah. And she's stuck in this world between Earth and Heaven. And that world is really, really cool. Got some cool Peter Jackson style shit going on there. Like, you know, really green grass, beautiful butterflies, like a big tree and the leaves turn into little hummingbirds. Just like cool stuff like that. Heavenly creatures-ish, like that, like in the garden kind of feel. Yes, but like amped up. Nice. Because it had a major budget. It was like a weird emotional roller coaster, but there wasn't, how can I say it? Like, it's like one second you're like dealing with, you know, you're watching a pedophile like smile in his house while he's like, you know, has his tokens of like people he molested and murdered. And then the next second it's like, you know, a lighthearted scene with like family. It's just very. The tones. The tone is so off. Like, it just made me feel sick because of that where you're like, and then it goes to something really, really mild and light. I mean, when that works, it works really well. Like, I just rewatched Heavenly Creatures recently. And even that one, like, has these, you know, really awesome, like, young people just having fun kind of feel. Clashing with, like, the fun being very obsessive and, like, gross and dark and, you know, destructive. But it's done very well. Yeah. Where it doesn't feel as unsettling as it could be. But not here. Yeah. (laughs) And Peter Jackson, did he do? He did have Heavenly Creatures, right? that's why I was bringing it up. Yeah. I didn't make that connection. (laughs) I think that's his best movie. Well, maybe Dead Alive. Dead Alive's really great, too. Oh, yeah. And the Lord of the Rings movies. Sure. I don't care about those. (laughs) Uh, They're so boring. Really? Have you watched the Hobbit movies? Yeah, they're so boring. Okay. Every time somebody's like, oh, Lord of the Rings is so boring. I'm like, oh, the Hobbit. You would love the Hobbit. Uh, It's just more. But I feel like the Hobbit's more like lighthearted and it's more fun and adventurous. And it's not as long-winded. Yes. I don't know. I think they're, they look very pretty and I like certain aspects of them, but you know. You didn't even like the elves? God, I'm so bored just talking about it. Okay. (laughs) Um, I used to like just watch it with, like I'd watch it and then like play the commentary and like listen to the commentary for like hours. Oh my God. I used to live with a fanatic for it. uh, And I used to like ask him like, what are Uncle Dilbo and uh, (laughs) like Bobo and Uncle Dilbo? What are they up to? And Merlin. <laughs> just like all the weird wizard yeah. names you could think of. I, I don't know. I can't. The mythology is just didn't really interest me. But yeah, I feel like there was more. The Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings style was more vibrant in the Lovely Bones. Um, so now that I know what the fucking Lovely Bones is about, I'm just like shocked that it was marketed towards like such a young crowd. 
I don't think I would let, like, I mean, I don't know. I would probably let, like, a fucking 10-year-old smoke cigarettes, but I don't know. It just feels weird. Like, I would feel weird, like, watching this with a kid. Yeah. Or having a kid watch this. Because it's, it gets very intense. Like, I thought it was just, like, of course they didn't show, like, any of the murder and molesting and stuff. But they did enough to make it really, really weird. And Stanley Tucci was the pedophile. Oh, no. (laughs) I love him. So, yeah, I, I, I did like the thriller aspect of it because, like, you know who the killer is, but you're just, like, hoping for him to get caught. So there's a lot of those, like, high and in- intense moments where it gets really close to, like, oh, my God, like, there's a clue and they're going to see it and they're going to find her. I kind of want to, like, talk about the ending. I haven't seen it. I mean, it's up to you. Okay, I'll just say it. It's It was sad. Like, I did not like the ending at all because... He never goes to jail. He ends up dying. An icicle hits him on the shoulder and he falls down a cliff. So what? he's a very like bizarre like a and violent ending. Yeah. Like it's just, I didn't feel like there was any justice. And like he puts her body in this safe and then like he brings the safe to a landfill. And it's like her body's never discovered and he never goes to prison. But like her family does find peace at some point. But I didn't like, I was just like, ah, make him go to jail. And then like, he can die in jail or at least find her fucking body. Like get it out the landfill. And it got super weird because like, as it progressed with her getting closer to that closure to go into heaven, like he's molested and killed numerous girls. And then she starts to like find them in that realm. It's just really sad. (laughs) That's why um, I never watched oof, it. Just the premise. Just I wish I wouldn't have watched like it. Grim, yeah. It's pretty if you put it on mute. Like <laughs> I would watch this on mute with just the cool like Peter Jackson style fantasy world shit. That would be cool. But I would never watch this again. And I wouldn't recommend it to anybody because it was just so like icky. I know a lot of people were frustrated too because Lynn Ramsey almost directed it. Um, she did. We need to talk about Kevin. And mm-hmm. Ooh, that would have She probably would have done better job yeah it would have been dark just probably dark. been darker yeah yeah it wouldn't have been like sweet and cute yeah <laughs> cute like pedophile murder movie god <laughs> so weird i'm glad you liked pledge too honestly Love pledge you liked it loved it it's yeah. a hard sell because i don't like torture porn so like even me trying to sell someone like a, a torture porn college hazing film is hard but it- I liked the big twist at the end. It was very M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like, like the where larger reason it's like, why oh, they're tortured. Like there's a bigger yeah. reason as to this. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I wish I kind of would have played on that a little more. Yeah, it kind of doesn't feel fully fleshed out. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's just so mean. <laughs> it's just such a mean movie. Oh, God. I know. It's like I hate frat boys in general. And I'm like, God, y'all are horrible. And I didn't really have any sympathy for any of them. I kind of did. Kind of the main guy with the glasses. Yeah. I liked him because he wasn't into it. But all the other ones, I was like, y'all are so stupid. They're like, yeah, you can brand me. I want to be in your fraternity. I'm like, I thought that was so sad. Like, they're so desperate for uh, acceptance that like this one frat keeps doing things to them. That's like gets progressively worse. And it's like (laughs) literal torture is their hazing process. And after they got branded and they didn't run out the house, I was like. I mean, at this point, whatever happens to you guys, like, it's all you. Yeah, but like, it's not going to get better. Sad. And I like the movie that, like, introduces you to them for a bit before that st- gets started. So yeah. you're, like, just see them as these, like, really lonely nerds. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's gross, though. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's so gross. Like, that. there's, like, that rat scene where, oh, oh that, like, I felt bad for the rat. Because I'm like, it's not his fault. 
where they like put a rat under a pot and heat it up until he eats through this kid's stomach. Jesus Christ. Who thinks of that? Who thinks of that? <laughs> or just the... Uh, These Kickstarter folks? Scenes of them were like... <laughs> They're getting force fed just junk like in a blender, just like sheep skulls. And, it's rats. And rats. Just like rats and... with hair and their tails and oh, everything. Oh, it's so gross. And they start puking it out. Oh, it's And so then they nasty. like slide in it. <laughs> if if, if you're interested it. in a nasty little horror film, I'm, I'm so glad that's up was, on Hulu it's now. It's on Hulu. It's really, it's a good horror movie. Like if you're, I liked it better than like all the Saw stuff. Like I feel like it oh, had sure. more like more of a plot yeah it takes the time yeah, to like get good. you i mean maybe whether or not you have sympathy for the characters you know them better than you know the people in saw you yeah know? totally um before we go away from the lovely bones yeah i just want to mention that susan sarandon is in it oh weird and she's a grandma who smokes i love like smoking grandmas and she is kind of like not like a bitch but like a bitch in a cool way where like while this girl's dead and they're trying to like find her body like the little um this little boy who's the girl's little brother is like grandma is she in heaven and then she's like i don't know <laughs> and then she's like where is she well then she's dead <laughs> that's the role she played in tammy so, uh, yes yeah, yeah. uh you're right it yeah. is such a she's like it's like tammy but this film lovely bones takes place in the 70s so she's like 70s <laughs> tammy grandma how'd you feel about tammy <laughs> I liked it. I a like lot. it too. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people hate that movie. It's so good. You know what the last thing I saw Susan Sarandon in was? What? She was at Chokehole, that drag yeah, wrestling event. With like a paper boy hat. What the fuck? Just hanging out on the corner of the wrestling ring. <laughs> Were you there that day? I know you No, went but okay. I've like seen photos where people are like, oh yeah, Susan Sarandon was there. And I'm Very like, weird. in that back alley warehouse? <laughs> yeah, it was a drag wrestling <laughs> with show. All these sweaty drag queens. It's Amazing. Susan Sarandon and. Uh, Eric Orheim was there too. Sweet. I, I can see him there. Yeah. But her, I was like, just give me mad respect <laughs> for her. So I think like you probably saw this next movie. So I was going to say that for last, but the only movie I've seen in theaters in the past few months has been us. Oh yeah. So you've seen us too, too, right? Do you talk about it yet? No. Well, James brought it up and said he did not like it very much. Really? And then I, I... saw it and I loved it. Okay. Me too. <laughs> okay, good. We haven't really talked about it on the show if you want to get into okay, it, but yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, uh, there's not like I feel like it's really hard to talk about it because there's so there's so many like things you can give away and kind of ruin it. But I really, really liked how it turned into this fucking world of fucked up shit before you knew it. Like, I thought this was going to be a movie where it was like an invasion horror film, kind of like The Strangers Pray at Night. And they do that for a while. And then it ends pretty early, and then it just turns into something, like, that is just fucking mind-blowing. Yeah, it's like this nightmare logic It's uh, really good. Um, I will say, like, a lot of people have these, like, very logical complaints about, like, there's a basement under the beach? How did all those tethered people get all these clothes to, like, attack the Earth humans? And to me, it's like, in the 80s, we used to have, you know, Freddy Krueger was a child molester that haunted horny teens' dreams. Like, <laughs> where's Christ. the logic to that? Or, like, yeah. or like Chucky, like, was, you know, Brad Dourif, who got, like, a lightning struck into a doll's body. <laughs> like, who gives a fucking shit whether this right. makes sense? Like, it makes fucking sense to me because I'm like, well, we don't know what they had access to down there because obviously, like... I mean, the government knows about them. So maybe there's a fucking like sewing room or some shit. Or maybe it, it was like work uniforms. So it could have just been a bunch of fucking work uniforms. Like who can like that's weird. It does weird. not matter. True. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need it to be logical. 
real life is so boring. Right. Very like, true. I don't want logic in films. <laughs> we don't need logic for the tethered. <laughs> oh, God. Um. It's the least interesting conversation <laughs> you could possibly have about this movie. And it's the one everyone is having. Like, I do not give a really? shit. Really? I haven't, like, looked at what people are really saying about it. I kind of just, like grazed like the star reviews and whatever i do want to talk about tim heidecker so funny (laughs) because i think like if you don't know tim heidecker's background and you watch this it's like whatever he's just making the same noises as everyone else (laughs) but like when you are familiar with him and you see him just be like it's it's like it's casey and his brother all over again where he's making those like weird noises at the end of like the karaoke how can a mother abandon her son? <laughs> He's, uh, I don't know. When he becomes the tethered version, he plays this, like, kind of big, drunken asshole. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's so funny. And even, like, his non-tethered version is so funny, oh, too, yeah. because you it's very, like, Jim and Derek, where he's got, like, tattoos and he's kind of douchey and, like, businessy. Uh, oh, God, I love it. Elizabeth Moss was really funny, too. Right. In her own way. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I just really <laughs> like the movie. Honestly, I even liked it slightly more than Get Out. Like, oh. Get Out is so smart and so meticulously planned out and so, like, tidy, where, mm-hmm. like, everything fits the central metaphor. This one was more like, I don't know, some, like, Suicide Club or something, like, where it's just, like, fucking <laughs> that shit all crazy. over the place and, like, such a mess and so, like, uncanny. You know, like, in Get Out, the sunken place, that, like, that was one of the looser, like, mm-hmm. weirder parts of the film. Just the way that was visualized and right. like him sinking into it. This felt like just the sunken place. Yeah, it felt like that <laughs> just explored for like a longer You're period right. of time and like that sketched out further. And I really appreciated that. It was I I just loved like all. It was so creative. Where you know, and I think people are so in, like like people are trying to find like so much logic in it. But I think when you don't think of it that way, like I loved like right when you thought like okay, is this the end? Then something else would happen. Yeah. Or, like, is this it? And something else. It just, like, it kept, like, getting more and more intense. And uh, like, Boomer wrote a five-star review for yes. the website. So I really need to get me and James, like, talking about it for a while just to see, like, yeah. why. Why you didn't like yeah, it? Yeah, where are the differences there? Because, yeah, we're coming from a completely different oh, direction. Oh, and the dad. Let's talk about the dad. And I think he's the all-time best movie I dad. I love him so much. Like, I have such a movie crush on him, like, as that character where he was, like, so cool and like <laughs> kind of <laughs> but yeah like just like, i love him yeah like adorable like dorky and just badass all in one and just oh, i loved him everything he said was such a dad thing to say yeah that, yeah and he had like dad pants and sandals and stuff so fun with his boat with his dad boat peak, peak performance dad yeah. crawdaddy boat <laughs> So great, yeah. So funny. Um, so he was he was really really good, and I and the kids were great. The younger girl, I can't think of her name, but she was fantastic. Her tethered character was really good. She was the scariest one, I think. And I love how like the kids fucking got violent too. Mm -hmm. Like the kids, you know, they kick some ass, which was nice for sure. I liked the whole family element, where it kind of felt like a superhero movie for a little bit, kind of like a hyped up Incredibles. Yeah, the chase scenes are, like, superhuman. Like, when uh-huh. Yeah, yeah sure. it's really good. Um, but, yeah, I really, really liked it. So, um, what have you been watching lately, Brandon? A lot. Uh, yeah. I'll try to be quick, though, because we, we ran through a bunch of movies Shit. already. No, we're good. Okay. Uh, I bought two films from this amateur filmmaker. Uh, so, I guess I should talk about those, because it just kind of fits the theme of sure. what we're talking about today. 
the larger topic of the episode is we're finally going to get into Matt Farley's best movies and Moturn Media, which, you know, I've been rambling about for a year solid now. <laughs> the first time I discovered Matt Farley was on this podcast called The Important Cinema Club. And one of the co-hosts of that show, his name's Justin DeClue, and he directs films. Uh, and I bought his two movies just to, like, send support. I never subscribed to, like, podcasts like Patreon or anything. But I'd listen to that show, like, religiously. So it was like, oh, I should, you know, send money somehow. I liked one more than the other. I'm going to talk about that one first. But I think they're both worth talking about. Yeah. I really liked his newest film. It's called Impossible Horror. Uh, he made it with uh, this person, Emily Milling. She was, like, producer and did the music and obviously had, like, a lot of creative input onto it. Uh, and he directed it with a pretty signature style that he has. It, it feels like Sam Raimi in that everything feels like a cartoon and, like, moves very quickly and just, like, has this, you know, kind of nightmare logic thing. Where, like, in Us, where things don't really make l literal sense, but, like, there's just this – you just kind of have to go with what it's doing. Um, the movie's about amateur art production, which, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, so it was, like, really good timing for me to finally watch this. This girl just goes through a breakup, and she's, like, alone in her apartment, and she can't sleep because she's, like, really, you know, just heartbroken. But she's, like, in that period of time where she hates the guy that she just broke up with. Like, she calls him the asshole, but she's still, like, in this, like, refractory period where she's, like, really bummed out. And she doesn't know what to do with herself. She can't sleep, and she has no... no nobody to talk to really and then she goes to work and she's just kind of a zombie because she's like under she's like underslept and uh at night she starts to pick up like old art projects that she never completed because she was in a relationship um and just didn't have the time so like she starts drawing comic books again hmm. and she also picks up this old video camera and just takes the video camera out at night she just goes out on the streets and starts filming things at uh, night yeah Whoa. really late at night like early morning in, in the streets of toronto uh and you know in those like early morning hours you know when everything's kind of eerie and then you just meet like total weirdos uh she <laughs> sort of syncs up with this other woman who's investigating a scream and that's where the story picks up she starts filming this other woman in this like sort of found footage horror film where there's a scream every night they can't figure out who's doing it. They think it's a ghost because when they go to the location and they find it, there's like an object that's left behind. And it's always like a creative object. It's like a typewriter or a <gasps> camera or an old VHS tape. Whoa. And they, you know, look at all the art and things. I love and, whenever ghosts leave like presents. Yeah. And they're like clues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, it's like very jokey. Like uh, when she starts filming the, uh, the ghost investigator, she's like, Oh, what are you making? Like one of those shitty found footage horror films? Cool. <laughs> uh, you know, they like, just kind of joke with that stuff. Like uh, one of the objects they find is like a dildo. Uh, Whoa. Just like, you know, just like. From kinda... a typewriter to a dildo? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. It's just like gags like that. Yeah. Uh, and it ends up being this like really energetic splatter comedy. Like there's a lot of gore, but it's also very humorous. And it's about amateur art creation and loneliness. Hmm. Like it's about like filling your time with these like self-fulfilling art projects that whenever you get like so obsessed with, they kind of destroy you. Everybody in the film picks up these like, you know, filmmaking or like drawing or writing and the drive to complete the project, like pretty much drives them to suicide. I don't know. It wow. accomplishes a lot in like 70 minutes. Like, that, Oh, that's pretty short. Yeah. That story that like comes in very quickly. Cool. And like I said, it has that Sam Raimi, maybe even Peter Jackson style where it's like shot in these ridiculous angles. And like, 
it's very conscious of not boring you. Like you can feel that Milling and DeClue, like the two creators, they don't, they watch a lot of these like uh, low budget horror films and they know what they like to see in them. And they just like pack the screen and with that stuff. That sounds really cool. Yeah. It's like no like lull time where you're like, right. Ugh. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it's really fun. It's really, uh, if you make art and you like make backyard movies or you're interested in like amateur art production, then I don't know. I think it's a really smart, comedy and mm-hmm. really smart horror film and it delivers the goods there's like ghosts and gore and yes. these like ninjas and uh just all kinds of stuff there's like haunted vhs tapes and love that kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah it's great that's great uh his earlier film i didn't like quite as much it's called teddy bomb it's from 2014 uh it's about this guy who accidentally steals well he steals a teddy bear from these like you know evildoers and it turns out it's a bomb and he activates the bomb <laughs> oh my God. Uh, by mistake. And it's this high tech bomb that can kill anybody. Why is it in a teddy? Oh, they, do they explain why it's in a teddy bear? Uh, I guess so they could or... smuggle it easier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just so it's like, it looks. Oh, I thought it was like for kids. So they could blow kids up. Uh, I think it's for terrorists to hold Toronto okay. hostage and blow it up. So these all take place in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, it's local filmmakers. In that's Toronto. where they're from. Yeah. Okay, cool. It would normally be a backyard movie, but you know, their backyard is like, the alley behind an apartment complex so it's not like you know it's still like urban environments but it's very much like a cheapo uh no nice. budget film this one is interesting and i saw him post a video about this on twitter once where like he paired it up with scenes from upgrade and was like weird they might have borrowed stuff for my film and watching it i totally get it I mean, Upgrade was one of my favorite movies last year. It was, like, very high on my list of, right, like, films. Right. You know, in that film, the guy has the microchip implanted in his head, and the microchip talks to him and, like, tells him, like, sort of telepathically almost, like, oh, turn this way, or I'll take care of this guy so you don't have to kill him. And he gets, like, grossed out by the things his body are, is doing uh, against these, like, baddies, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same exact mm-hmm. setup. The teddy bear has, like, kind of this telepathic communication with him and, like, makes him a better killer. Uh, and he's also like sounds like it's influenced by, it. by the pit. Probably so, yeah. I mean, how many telepathic teddy bears are there? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and we'll talk about the pit a lot when we get up to Matt Farley because uh, I think he's Matt Farley said like every movie he's ever made is influenced by the pit. Oh my god! I, totally get <laughs> I that did not too. <laughs> know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I didn't expect. That. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. I hate whenever like you really get into something and then you realize like it stole from someone who deserved the credit for it. Aw. Yeah, is your heart broken for Upgrade? really? Okay. I mean, well, like Upgrade, you know, is very much like a retelling of RoboCop to me. Yeah. And it has like specific things to say about self-automated technology. And that bots. was... Bots. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But yeah, like the whole like it was making fun of people for, you know, being fearful of like self-driving technology and like playing into our fears of like technology the taking over dominoes pizza pizza <laughs> dominoes <Jesus>. pizza <laughs> dominoes pizza police yeah <laughs> dominoes self-driving delivery pizza car gotcha oh my God. they should call it dominoes pizza where they can arrest people while delivering pizzas yes <gasps> monetize okay. it yeah so i don't know i think there's enough 
I think there's enough that Upgrade does on its own that's like separate from this. Yeah. But if it did take direct inspiration, and I think there kind of is a convincing case it did, even though this is a very small film. Yeah. Shame on them. Uh, yeah, shame on them for yeah. not, you know, giving credit where it's due and boosting this like micro budget artist who's like just doing their best with their friends. Uh, Pulling in Urban Outfitters, <laughs> stealing from artists. Yeah. Making your monies. Uh, so no. I don't know. I don't even know if I necessarily mean to say like seek these two specific movies out i do really like impossible horror and i think people would like it if they like it sounds really cool but i just like want people to be more open to looking for this kind of movie this like micro budget movie made amongst friends on weekends kind of thing and Mm -hmm. it's not very different from us making this podcast like as opposed to like the mark marins and serials of the world like we're 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 at their (laughs) level you know I think they're both interesting movies. And if you're an upgrade, like super freak, uh, you should probably take a look at Teddy bomb. It's on Amazon prime just to like see those parallels and make, make up your own mind about it, I guess. That's enough. Um, wrap up of what we've been seeing lately today. We're going to be talking about more low budget horror films. Yes, we are a lot of like handmade DIY art. That's, that's the theme of the day. It inspired me because like, I really like homeward bound and I would love to like, film a nook walking around and like talk over her like she's thinking because i do that sometimes when i'm walking her like i'll like say what i think she's thinking about while she's like talking to other dogs and i'll like pretend to be like saying what they're thinking about hopefully you'll be uh much better to your dog than they were in like milo and otis where they like threw the cat off the cliff and all that stuff i can't deal (laughs) oh i forgot about that movie yeah it's fucked up (laughs) we can make a kinder gentler version (laughs) <laughs> the good one the good milo and otis all that micro budget horror fare is coming up to you right, right now. now it's not what you think it's not what you expect it's tracy lord starring in not of this earth do you have an appointment i came for a transfusion of blood a ruthless alien creature on a desperate search for blood i am typo and now he's on earth and now it's time for our regular movie of the minute segment. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. What did you make me watch this week, Brittany? First and foremost, I'm sorry. It's not very good. Um, <laughs> I made Brandon watch Not of This Earth, the 1988 version. And it's been a, a long while since I've watched this movie. And I really think that my taste in film has improved. <laughs> um, so I apologize <laughs> because I didn't realize it's going to be so like horrible. But I think it goes with that low budget kind of sci-fi horror theme that we're kind of going for. I will say I watched all three versions because of this. Okay. I think this is the worst one out of the three. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not upset that I watched it because... You know, obviously I was interested enough to watch the other two based oh, off of it. And I haven't watched the other two because I don't have, I just don't have the willpower. So bless you for watching them. I w- I'll go further into that later. Okay. I think, I think they're all worth seeing. Oh, great. Yeah. So I think this movie is super important because it is, I love Tracy Lords. I think she's fabulous. And this is her first like non-porn film role. Yeah. She left porn and went to Lee Strasberg to learn method acting. <laughs> And then immediately went to this film. Which is still kind of like a porn. Sort of, yeah. (laughs) In a weird way. Uh, And then she left uh, this and went directly to Crybaby. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So she might have never gotten to Crybaby if she didn't land this role. That's how I like to put it. Um, (laughs) 
So, but anyway, so this was directed by Jim uh, Wynarski, and I've just seen a couple of his movies, but he's like, a, like Corman, just like a big fucking B movie king. Um, he's done like Chopping Mall, Mall, and like some of the like I think Sorority House Massacres, maybe. You probably know more no, of his stuff. I huh? think Sorority House Massacre was like women. Slumber Party Massacre. No, those were all women directors. Shit. But he some he, party. He's done over a hundred films. Okay. And he definitely, over his career, just fell further and further into softcore. Like, his, like, <laughs> his 90s and 2000s work is all, like, softcore porn. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I've only seen Chopping Mall from him other than this. But he had a pretty long list of, like, shitty titles that were very interesting. So he sort of bet that he could make a remake of the, ni- I think, 1957 version of Not of This Earth with the same budget, but, like modified for inflation in 1988 and he did it yeah <laughs> in a sense he like literally did it like i, I rewatched the corman one okay first off the 57 one is that the og one yeah okay it is so good really i think it's great and okay. i think the wynorski one is almost like a scene for scene remake a lot of the dialogue is exact Really? But the difference is the Corman one is like 60-something minutes, and this one's got an extra 20 minutes on top of it, and all those minutes are boobs. Like, yeah. it's just excuses for boobs. So I was kind of curious about that. Like, if the the OG version had, like, all the prostitutes no. and the birthday party stripper? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this movie is kind of cool because it's, like, sci-fi vampiric kind of space movie where there's this guy, Mr. Johnson, who looks super fucking mysterious you know he wears um dark sunglasses all the time has like a cool little top hat and a suit um and he's from this planet where they're sort of like vampires in a way and their blood supply is running low so he's going to earth to see if they can like live off the supply of blood that humans are generating they have like some disease that like makes their blood evaporate inside their bodies yeah and then in, in this version they liken it to aids which is really fucked up right right <laughs> very fucked up <laughs> oh god you're right i forgot about that <laughs> so yeah so basically he hires a nurse to help him with his blood transfusions where you know he plays off as being ill and that nurse is tracy lords and out of everyone in this movie i think she's like the best actor she's amazing like, she's great yeah like she's not like ridiculous at all like she's very on par i think with her character from crybaby she's really cool to watch and um her boyfriend is a cop and it's roger lodge i don't know who that is do you ever watch it. blind date that tv show oh, he was the host, He's the host. oh my god <laughs> i did not know that that's hilarious he's like all right it's hi i'm roger lodge it's been real guys see you next time <laughs> Like, he has, like, such, like, a hosted voice. I don't know. I thought it was so funny. I've been watching a lot of Blind Date lately because it plays on that, this, like, weird free channel I get with Maury and stuff. It's like, Maury, Steve Wilkos, Blind Date, Jerry Springer. (laughs) So I watch that a lot. That is the junk food of TV for sure. It's so good. I can't, like, stop. Like, sometimes I'm like, I should watch, like, a movie that'll inspire me. And then I just watch old episodes of Blind Date. (laughs) But anyways... (laughs) So she kind of becomes suspicious of Mr. Johnson as like, you know, people are coming in and they're not leaving. And then people are coming out that didn't come in to this like mansion that she's living in. 
Probably should say that. She's living in this big fucking house and getting paid like two grand a week along with this really douchey chauffeur who's also getting paid two grand a week to like chauffeur Mr. Johnson around. Um, So he's, I didn't like him. I thought he was like one of the worst characters. I think he's supposed to be. The chauffeur? Yeah. He's kind of this gross like peeping Tom like jokester. Yeah. uh, And I liked, I was impressed because I think they could have, and maybe because it was mimicking the... Um, original movie so well but the well Tracy Lords' character wasn't like this dumb blonde like she was very witty and smart and like didn't like give in to like any of his rude remarks and stuff like that and she kind of like I don't know shut him down yeah which I thought was really cool the sex jokes she makes are like kind of tasteful yeah like she (laughs) she'll say like I don't screw around I don't know. That's kind of like a winking joke. Right. There was one joke she makes that I was shocked to see was from the original film. It's when he's cleaning the pool and she's sunbathing outside of it. You know, obviously she's in like this, you know, high-waisted 80s bikini versus the uh, lady in the original sunbathing in like a one-piece like right. you know, 50s outfit. But he's fish. He's like fishing stuff out of the pool and he's like, oh, I'm fishing for babes. Uh, why aren't you biting? And she says something like, uh, I think you're using the wrong bait. Or you have, like, b- bad bait. Like, kind Whoa. of a dick joke. And that joke was in the original as well, which I... That's crazy. Yeah. So, was the name of the gu- the main guy Mr. Johnson? Maybe. In the original? Because I thought that was also a dick joke, too. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was one of the things that drew uh, What's-His-Face to the project. Uh, Wynorski. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say, though, like, remaking this movie to shoehorn in, like, the bikini babe aspect and, mm-hmm. like... Getting this ex-porn star, even though she turns out to be, like, a legitimately good actress. And, you know, adding all these, like, strippers and prostitutes and things feels really antithetical to the Corman version. Because what's interesting about the Corman movie is that it's this really cheap production. Like you said, Mm -hmm. it was made in two weeks, I think, for, like, $100,000. Like, it was just, like, great renegade, like... I need to make this movie very quickly kind of filmmaking. Right. I uh, think this guy made it in the same time frame minus mm-hmm. a day or something. Like, yeah. I don't... finished like two days early or something. <laughs> you could tell. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, we're, we're done. <laughs> the Corman one's interesting because he can make this movie about a space vampire. Very compelling mm-hmm. without sex and without creature effects. Uh, the Corman one has one creature thing that's not in either of the remakes. That's this like fr- flying umbrella hat, uh, and it flies. <laughs> the vampire gets mad at somebody and like dispatches this alien, basically like his alien dog is this like umbrella, <laughs> and it covers people's faces and blood pours out. Sweet. That's like one gag in the film, and it takes like a minute. Mm-hmm. The rest of it has like no monster effects. Yeah, and you know he takes off his glasses and his eyes light up and stuff like that. It it's looks a pretty like cheap effects. The but... um the music video for Total Eclipse of the Heart. <laughs> have you seen that music video yeah. where like all the choir boys and the altar boys have those eyes? Yeah, it's very much like that. It's like animation on top of the film set. Yeah. So you know, very limited amount of like monster effects and like mm-hmm. m- murder violence. Also, a lot of minimized sexuality for a vampire film, because usually the lore of vampires is, you know, they have this, like, alluring hypnotism, or right. uh, they sensuously bite people in the neck to suck the blood out. But in this case, the guy is dressed like a blues brother and carries around this briefcase that he opens up and, like, sort of medically transfuses the blood into these vials. Done, yeah. For sure. Yeah, for a vampire. For a vampire, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Corman ends up making this, like, sort of very small, cheap B-picture 
about like communism and like this like threat of the alien outsider coming in, in these like G-man suits hmm. uh, and you know, this foreigner like causing trouble under the surface and just sort of like getting away with it. And I don't know. I think it is one of his better films as a director. You know, he's produced a lot of classics, but his greats as a director is like maybe a dozen out of like the hundreds of movies he's worked on. Uh, And I I think that one belongs in that conversation. Why you would want to remake that and just change everything about it and like add all of this like sexuality and which just makes it less interesting. Right. Like it's just interesting that he could make a vampire movie that's not sexy. I think like the sexy parts kind of threw everything else off where like, you know, there are these more sci-fi parts where you're really getting into the whole like story of Mr. Johnson and this like vampire planet and stuff. And then there were like, you know, just, Oh, here's like three ladies that are topless and doing weird shit. Like it kind of just throws off the vibe. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay. Now that you're talking about like the original one, the 60, 67 or 57, 57. 57? Um, That sounds really cool. So you said there were three. Yeah. I watched another one. When was the other one made? I think in 92. Really? So not that far after this one. That one was made for the series on Showtime that's actually similar to the, what's the Hulu series called? Dark something? Oh, in the dark, Into the Dark. Yeah, it was like that. It was like a weekly horror anthology Ooh, movie series cool. called Roger Corman Presents. And he made 14 movies between January and June for Showtime, which is fucking Jesus insane. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite things about Roger Corman. It's why I love talking about this movie, the Tracy Lords film, even though I don't love it, mm-hmm. is I love that he self-cannibalizes his own work. Like, let's say Hollywood will make Jaws, which is just a Roger Corman movie on a big budget. Right. And sort of, like, drives him out of business. Instead of, like, getting mad, he just makes a ripoff of Jaws to, like, make money off of it, which is, like, Piranha, the uh, Joe Dante film. Right. And then when Joe Dante goes off and makes his own bigger budget Roger Corman picture with, like, Gremlins... He just rips it off and makes this movie Munchies. Uh, love Munchies. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that Corman like self cannibalizes. Uh, I, I guess the other example like uh, Jurassic Park and Carnosaur. He's got a history of doing this. Uh, another way he self cannibalizes is in like the more traditional Hollywood way, which is just remaking your own movies. Uh, mm-hmm. He had this series called Rebel Highway, which was just a remake of all these like fifties teens in peril pictures like teens who have gotten unruly and like misbehave and get punished for it uh, for their moral outsteppings usually though he does not remake movies that he thinks are good like the uh vincent price post cycle film like the one i made y'all watch uh for movie of the mask of red death yeah Yeah. he like won't touch that because he knows that's like a great art film right and like doesn't doesn't want to do it without vincent price and stuff like that I think him remaking Not of This Earth along with a couple other titles for Showtime in that Roger Corman Presents series was kind of a misstep because I don't think he realizes that it's like one of his better films. Wow. That one goes in a different direction than the Jim Wynorski one because instead of adding sex, it adds the other thing that the uh, original movie was missing, which was like monsters. And cool. It has these like alien creatures that are throbbing in this like society or uh Cronenberg kind of way. Oh, these, that like, sounds cool. Pulsating brain beasts with like these tentacles that sensually like move out of the wall and like grab people by the neck and like suck on them and like touch them in weird ways. And like uh <laughs> let's call the alien Johnson. I don't really know what his name is in the different versions that I pay attention, but like Johnson will be alone and he like basically his guts come out of his 
body just sort of natural and he's like playing with them as if he's masturbating whoa it's fucking weird that sounds amazing the movie's not great i feel like i would really like that but it's good yeah (laughs) it leans into his strengths like for a like cheapo 90s made for cable film it knows that it can't be a great film but it knows that it can gross you out and it can get weird yeah and it can get weird and it it has some weird moments this is so interesting i kind of want to watch like all three of them now i did it in a few days and it was fine i didn't want to watch any of them after i saw this i was like i don't think i can watch any version of this this is the worst one okay okay (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think they're interesting and like you can see what other people were going to add to them like wynorski adds sex the showtime series adds these like gross out creature effects Uh, for the next remake there's really nothing because the original has everything else like it, it's got this like delirious what if they have more space stuff in like another remake that's they another can focus on that more that's the other reason the Wynorski movie pissed me off we can get into that okay the opening credits for this film <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> There's, like, an alien baby being born, and there's, like, every fucking, like, monster you can imagine. And that's more Roger Corman self-cannibalizing, because those are all images from Roger Corman productions. And it gets you amped, right? Yeah. 20 minutes into the movie, I'm like, where are all these creatures from the... uh, (laughs) Where are they? Yeah, I was like, oh, man, it's going to take them a lot of work to get to that from this, like... (laughs) mansion where we're just kind of hanging out I know, like how are they gonna throw this on us and you keep waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> it just never happens you just see a bunch of like titties and I, I will say i've never seen that before like you know promise me something <laughs> fake in the trailers or in the poster i've seen that right, before right i've never seen in a film in like the <laughs> credits false for film, advertisement false advertising yeah it's fucking crazy That's so funny I, you know i feel like i'm crapping on it a little hard but it's a pretty bad movie, but I think it's, if you have the opportunity to watch it, like it's something you probably would want to watch just to be familiar with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Lower your expectations. Right. <laughs> but, but Tracy Lord's, I think her performance is worth watching. Mm-hmm. And I do think it added one thing that I thought was very funny to the formula, which was the costume design for the alien back home that he communicates with in the closet <laughs> yes uh it's just this guy in a beard that they put this like platinum blonde like lady he wig looks on. like dog the bounty hunter <laughs> <laughs> it's i don't know it's a really funny costume design that it's such a visual gag i don't mm-hmm. even know how i can describe it but i thought that was a good touch it's funny yeah like ooh, what if he's in my closet right now <laughs> <laughs> but uh in the other films the the monsters in the closet you know in the corner one it makes sense because it's like a cheap way of like communicating back with space yeah. And in the uh, 90s one, it is just interesting because they make a gross monster. (laughs) It's like an alien with tentacles. Cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm really interested in the 90s one. Like, I don't know, more than the the one you really liked. They're both on YouTube. I just think about like guts and tentacles. It's so weird. Okay, cool. I'll watch them. I'll watch them. I'm catching a killer by faking an engagement. Yeah. That's right, I'm catching a killer by faking an engagement, yeah. He's only killing brides to be so. I asked my friend Jenny, will you marry me? We're catching a killer by faking an engagement, yeah. Welcome to Match Vegas, a delightful New England city, abound with small town charm. Here you go. It's a downright peaceful place to live. 
At least it was before all those brides-to-be were killed in such a grisly fashion. Our current movie of the month is a low-budget film Mm -hmm. about Matt Farley. And in the film, Matt Farley plays a novelty songwriter and backyard filmmaker named Matt Farley. (laughs) If you had not ever heard of Matt Farley before, it might take you a while to catch on to the fact that what you're watching is so true to his life because he is such a preposterous person. (laughs) He makes these like movies with his friends and has been doing it since the nineties. So he has this like whole back catalog of like backyard horror films and like monster comedies, usually very Roger Corman type pictures, but even lower budget. And he pays his bills by writing over 19,000 novelty songs and then uploading them to like Spotify and YouTube and then getting fractions of penny for every time you play one of his songs. He does these like search engine optimization type songwriting things where he'll like write a song with every person's name that you could possibly think of in it. So you can Google your own name and he'll sing you a song. It's already recorded on there. Uh, He has a lot of songs about poop because he knows that little kids will Google poop. And me. Yes. And you've been doing that. I am like a major toilet bowl cleaner fan right now. So (laughs) That's another thing. All of his songs have different band names. (laughs) There's like so many bands and each band has like more albums. Like it's just this black hole of music. (laughs) It's the Moturn Media Empire. You know, he's got this. He's like a little media mogul, but everything is him. One of his band names is called Papa and the Rotsies, and he sings about celebrities. Uh, and since we've been writing about him over the past year, he wrote a song. He recorded a song about me, I guess, writing it. I'm pretty sure they're all improv as he's recording them. But he re- posted a song about me that I included at the top of this episode. And every song bump on this episode you've been hearing is Matt Farley singing. Is it the one of you? Is that Papa and the Rotsies? Yes. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's the funny thing is like there's bloggers that have written about him or tweeted about him. And he includes them among like actual celebrities like... <laughs> I know you have Ava one. DuVernay and like yeah. uh, Ryan Johnson and you know <laughs> Tim- Timothy Chalamet. The Timothy Chalamet one's so good. What is it? It's like Timothy. Sh- Everyone thinks Timothy, Sh- <laughs> Timothy Chalamet is great because he is, or something like that. I don't know. It takes a little while to get a feel for Matt's art, and it's hard for me to introduce people to it because there's so much of a back catalog. There's like thousands of songs, dozens of films. Mm-hmm. And unless you're, like, obsessive about it and are going to watch all of them, you don't really get a full picture. Right. And that's what I love about Local Legends, and I think that's what makes it his best movie, is that it has this, like, backstory and it is an introduction to his world. It's a sample platter. Yeah. Because I remember you talking about him, like, a year ago, and then I, like, searched him and I was just overwhelmed with everything. And I was like, I don't think I can get into this yet. Like, I think this might be, like, too time-consuming. And then we watched Local Legends, and I was like, holy shit, yes. Like, I think it worked. (laughs) It's about 70 minutes. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime now. And, yeah, it's just like this self-portrait of him and everything he does. And it works both as, like, this artist statement about what it's like to make music and movies in the 2010s and to self-publish this stuff online and nobody gives a shit. Or, like, everyone finds it too overwhelming to, like, get into it. And it's also a blatant, like, shameless commercial for where to find his work, how to contact him. Like, he always puts his cell phone number in all of his, like, songs and movies and stuff. So, yeah, uh, let me ask you, do you think Local Legends was the best intro? For me, it worked. I think it sparked my interest in him, like, 
and his like whole Motern media world where I think if I would have just like watched like you know one of his films or something like that I might not have wanted to dig deeper but with local legends like you just kind of get bits of everything and then you're like wow like I want to get into that and I want to get into that and I want to get into that like it helped me kind of plan everything out it helped me feel organized about it it like it organizes his shit how much did you buy about like how much of it was real like did you have like a question about like what you were watching because I've over the year I've been like obsessed with him. It just starts well, to feel more and more real every day. <laughs> yeah, like at first I was like, "Oh, this is probably like all made up." And then I remember you saying while we were watching Local Legends, you're like, "No, like this shit's real. Like that's his number. He literally does this whole song method to make money to fund these like crazy films." And I'm like, "Oh, that's I think it's all real." Yeah, like it's it's really hard to like pick out like what's being exaggerated. Exaggerated. He's a shameless self-promoter, and in the film you watch him walk around his, like, small town in Massachusetts, just dropping off DVDs and CDs in public, just, like, mm-hmm. on this bridge or, like, behind a corner at a By building. A parking lot. <laughs> just, like, outside with this dream that someone would be walking down the street and stumble upon, you know, this free DVD and then just become a fan. Which that works for me, like, especially here in New Orleans. Like, there's so many, like... <laughs> promo CDs that people give me at gas stations I that think, I just like jam to. <laughs> I think the gas station rapper is its own genre, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I've listened to, yeah. I named my cat after this rapper named Big Lou who gave me his... Uh, <laughs> he was a gas station rapper? Yeah. Oh, sweet. In Baton Rouge, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just think this movie is like really interesting in that, you know, you get a full scope of Matt Farley's like music and movies. And also, I really relate to this like embarrassment of like putting yourself out there and like making art that nobody gives a shit about, but not losing your passion for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. What I don't have that he has is this like unending confidence in himself. Like he believes he is the greatest artist of all time. And the only reason he isn't famous is because he's not like, there's nothing wrong with him. Like, you know, (laughs) outsider artists like this are usually like Daniel Johnson or Wesley Willis or like somebody that has like, you know, mental problems or like drug abuse issues. And he's such a normal he's so guy. Straight laced. He's milk toast. Yeah. Yeah. Like I totally, and I kind of wrote about this when we were talking about local legends on our movie of the month conversation, how, and it made me appreciate him so much more where I thought this was going to be like some like bald dude who was like slightly overweight that wore like horror movie t-shirts or something. And then he has like a really nice haircut. He dresses well. <laughs> and he wears sneakers like <laughs> my, what my favorite Matt Farley song is uh, they thought I was a narc at the hippie attic uh, <laughs> apparently there's like some local venue somewhere called the hippie attic that he went to go play a show at and sing songs and because he's so normal looking everyone thought he was like a cop <laughs> it's a really great song and I think that's when he's like the most insightful about the modern world is like when he talks about what it's like to make this art and like put yourself out there and people just like mm-hmm. don't get what you're doing. Well, he reminds me so much. And we were just talking about him with the Us movie, but he reminds me of Tim Heidecker a lot. Like where part of the humor is that they look so normal. Oh yeah, you for know sure. where that's that makes it ten times funnier than like having someone with wacky carrot top hair and like some you know weird makeup on their face or something like that. They just look like dads. Yeah, it's so fun. I love it. And also he interacts with his public you know the small (laughs) amount of the public that reaches him he like talks to you directly like as soon as we started posting about his movies he was you know tweeting back at us and 
anytime we post something about him, I guess he has like Google alerts set up where like within minutes sometimes he's like, oh, that was great. I've already read it three times and like <laughs> shared it with all my friends. So fabulous. That's great. And I think it, you know, talking about like what it's like to self-publish, I think it's saying something kind of interesting about how online culture is right now. Like mm-hmm. there's like an anonymity to the internet that you can post about anyone and just sort of like put it out there assuming that they'll never read it Not kind of this guy no you know that when you're talking about matt matt is gonna listen he's gonna engage with you in some way and local legends is interesting because you see him taking a lot of very thinly veiled negative criticism like people tell him things about how to improve his own work and like give him like really useless advice and he kind of has to just take it so you know i, I don't feel inhibited in criticizing him because I actually genuinely like the work first off, but yeah. I also know that anything I mean, I could say he's already heard it, you know? Right. Like, I think he's probably just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. He's probably got thick skin having Which done this since the 90s. Which is probably why he, like, he's still going at it. Like, I think if he didn't have thick skin, he probably would have been like, shit, I'm giving up after like River <laughs> Beast or something. <laughs> but I, I really do think that's interesting though. Like, if you like tweet like Matt Damon is the worst actor of all time, people do that with the assumption that Matt Damon will never read it. Right. If you tweet that, you know, local legends is a shit film. First of all, you're wrong. But second of all, <laughs> Matt Farley's going to hear that. And that's part of the shtick really is that he is like on top of it. And he will be like, Oh, I guess I'll try harder next time. Uh, thanks for the advice. You know, uh, I, I find that so funny. And like, I think taking it on the chin is kind of part of the gag. Like, he plays that up for humor in this film, even though it is, like, embarrassing and it is, like, hard to watch and Mm -hmm. cringy. Like, uh, someone gives him advice in the film, like, oh, why don't you submit your movies to film festivals? I hear film festivals are cool. And he's like, oh, yeah, good. I'll look into that. Film festivals. Yeah. And he, like, writes it down. And the next line is, like, film festivals are bullshit. (laughs) I submit to film festivals all the time and nobody wants any of my work. Uh, So, I don't know. I I just find him very funny. And I find this whole, like, world of, like, self-driven art. And especially the fact that he recasts the same people over and over and over again in the movies. And you kind of watch them grow up. It's very like John Waters Dreamlanders in a way where, you know, he just kind of has the same people in different roles where it feels like this huge family and this like world that you're so used of. I feel like a resident of like a New England town right now, you know? The accents aren't (laughs) quite as uh, pronounced as the Baltimore accent, except every now and then. Like they'll have like one like towny type character who have this Love like it. thick like Boston accent. But yeah, very much the like recasting the same group of friends over and over again. So it's not even like he's documenting New England and like regional stuff in that way. It's mm-hmm. more like insular than that. He's like documenting this one social group. I mean I guess there are some New England touches in like his obsession with coffee milk. Uh which <laughs> is like the official drink of Rhode Island apparently. <laughs> It looks like just milk with coffee syrup in it. I don't really know like what's going on there. Like chocolate milk, but it tastes like coffee. But is there caffeine in it? I what do, do not know. <laughs> there can't be that much. Uh, the, the funny thing about that to me is, too, is that the movies are, like, so wholesome. It's like a slice of America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like, it feels like classic 1950s, like, leave it to beaver, American-style, like, film and cinema. It's crazy. He doesn't curse. There's no sexuality, really. <laughs> no. And he really likes The Pit. And this came up earlier. It's like one of his favorite films to talk about, at least. And what he says about that, or like how he emulates that in his work, is the monsters in The Pit don't really become part of the story until like very late in the film. <laughs> the trollologues. The trollologues that live outside. <laughs> and this kid like feeds his bullies to them. 
you don't really like get much of a glimpse of them, and then they get loose in like the last ten minutes, and the movie just completely shifts gears. And they go from looking like the size of a gremlin to like a fucking mammoth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Matt Farley's movies are like that as well. He really likes hanging out with these like quirky characters he creates, but he knows that no one will watch a hangout film that's just about his friends. So what he has is these like monsters, like these Roger Corman like rubber suit kind of monsters that sell the movie. That is the selling point. Like I'm going to watch this movie about monsters and murder, but most of the uh, action and most of the dialogue is like between quote unquote teenagers. They're like well into their thirties by the time some of these movies come around (laughs) and it's like teens hanging out and having fun. And then the monsters come in in the last minute to like ruin it. But he like tries to delay that as much as he can. Just like in the pit. Yeah. (gasps) It's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) What would it feel like to watch the pit with Matt Farley? Well, I did ruin the pit for myself by accident because I was watching all of his movies. And a week before we watched the pit for movie of the month last year, that was like Cece's introduction. I watched his movie, Sammy, the Tale of a Terrible Teddy, which was a direct spoof of the pit, like a feature length, almost like remake of the pit. Wow. And it was part of this like trilogy of druid films that he made. (laughs) Uh, You know, I could go into that. But instead of like fully sketching out everything he's done, it's probably better to condense. And we've already talked about local legends a lot on the website. Like if you want to read the movie of the month conversation, we've, mm-hmm. we've already kind of covered that movie. Yeah. So I wanted to like create like what is Matt Farley's best three films? Like what's his like holy trinity of films? And that's what we we're going to kind of cover today. So local legends very much a part of that. Also, I think his signature film, though, is Don't Let the River Be Sketch You from 2012. And the River Beast from that film has become kind of a mascot for, you know, the Mertern brand. It kind of looks like the Gill Man from uh, The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. It's this hand... But thicker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's basically just this, like, cowl that someone wears over, like, their, you know, body. I like its hands. Yeah, he's got these, like, almost mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger type claws, mm-hmm. almost. Um, <laughs> you know, he's a river beast. He lives in the river. He comes out to kill people. To get you. Yeah. To get you, exactly. He's coming to get you. He's got his own theme song. It's like, don't let the river bees get you. <laughs> don't let the river bees get you. I really like this movie a lot. Yeah. I th- I think it's the best of his, like, monster movies. Uh, it's introduced in this, like, William Castle style where this guy is, like, sitting on a chair reading a book. And you know how we were talking about how they're, like, wholesome and the monsters don't come out towards the end? Uh, this guy's, like, reading the book and he's like, oh, hello there. Today's film is going to be very traumatizing, and the producers have, like, warned us that maybe we should, like, let you know when the scary part's going to come up so you don't die of fright. So, anytime the river beast is going to come up, the screen will flash red twice as, like, a warning. So, there's no stakes to this film at all. Like, the river beast coming to destroy people is always warned. It makes it interactive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it feels like you're playing, like, a video game. It's almost like, put on your 3D glasses, kids. It's yeah, the river beast time. Like Odorama. Yeah, exactly. You know, scratch and sniff. So I was like really close to my TV when that man came on and he had the longest gray nose hair. <laughs> I totally believe that. I was so close to the screen and I just kept staring at it. It was so great. So in the film, Matt Farley <laughs> plays this kook who has been uh, chased out of town because he tells tale of the river beast. He was like this like well-respected tutor around town. And then the game. The tutor thing. <laughs> oh yeah. We can get into that. <laughs> Uh, he's this well-respected tutor, and he gets kicked out of town for being a kook because he swears that there's a river beast right. that's going to come get everybody. 
and nobody believes him. And they call him like RB. Yeah, they call him RB, short for, for River Beast. Beast. <laughs> and he comes back after like a couple years away, mysteriously, like leaving in mm-hmm. shame to go to his god cousin's wedding. I hope I got that right. <sighs> yeah. And, you know, re sparks <laughs> up an old love with a local. Uh, I don't know what she does, actually. <laughs> She's just a local fiance. Uh, he re-sparks up an old love with a local fiance, and he uh, hires a hunter named Ido Hookins <laughs> to prove that the River Beast is real. He wants me. Ido Hookins, I believe, is played by Matt Farley's dad. Uh, what? I believe so. Oh, my God. Great. Uh, I hope I didn't get that wrong. And then also he takes on a new tutoring job and hangs out with his tutor buddies. Uh, he's got a, a friend who tutors poetry and a friend who tutors math. And I think he tutors just generally every subject from what I can remember. I remember him. Yeah. Cause he was going over a math equation with like the girl he was tutoring. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> there's like but a little, there's like a little tutor trio, but they're the best. Yeah. Uh, and those guys love to argue about food and uh, you know, eventually the river beast comes out and he has to be squandered by this famous ex athlete who is the one that's hired him to tutor his daughter. And you don't know what he plays. Like, he literally, they show him playing every fucking sport. Every time uh, he, Kevin McGee is reintroduced in the film, he is, you know, boxing or he is playing basketball, playing basketball or street hockey. It's always a different sport. And the boxing comes in when he thwarts the river beast and saves the town. Uh, and then there's like a really funny reveal after that. And I think Kevin McGee, the guy who plays that, he was Matt's old boss when he worked in a nursery home. And I think he's the one that, like, actor-wise is, like, the most interesting. Like, I feel like he looks like a Tim and Eric player. Yeah. But otherwise, these are just, like, kind of friends hanging out. And you'll see them repeat over and over in Matt's movies. But they're not, like, they're, like, people you would know. Like, they're not, like, strange characters for the most part. What did you think about Don't Let the River Beast Get You? The, you know, the biggest thing, like, I can't shake is the kitty litter. Oh, I forgot about her. And, like, the vagabond girl. <laughs> yeah. I, there's so many goddamn characters in this movie. I know. I think, like, the part that almost had me, like, literally pissing my pants was whenever they had this, obviously, she's, like, a relative of Matt Farley or, like, a neighbor or something, where she's this older lady skipping with, like, a stick with a knapsack <laughs> on it. And then she's like, look how free that vagabond woman is. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hope I don't get itchy feet <laughs> Yeah, this, like, uh, drifter it's... character uh, misses the vagabond lifestyle. And she carries cat litter in a knapsack, because that's what her mom says. Like, you only need is kitty litter. It could do anything. Yeah, and... it's kind of like the Windex gag in, uh, what's that? Lost Boys. I was thinking of a Greek, right? Greek wedding, right? Oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah. The grandpa uses it as cologne in the Lost Boys. But, yes, the Greek wedding, they keep, like, they my use big it for everything. Greek wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Vic Salve. <laughs> like I think that's a big one in my family. It's like, oh, you you know you have a headache, put some Vic salve on your feet. Or like apple or... cider vinegar. People Jesus. are like obsessed with that. Yeah, coconut oil. <laughs> but cat litter. <laughs> but yeah, hers is cat litter, which is completely useless <laughs> unless you have a cat. <laughs> and she's also a break dancer. So in Matt's she's band member one. from Mose Haven, who we get to know very well in Local Legends, uh, he plays like the guitar on the street like busking mm-hmm. uh and she just sort of shows up one day vagabonding through town the cleanest vagabond you ever did see <laughs> and then she starts pop and locking 
and then explains what pop unlocking is as if it's like a brand new art form and hasn't been around since the 80s. <laughs> this is like guy making a comment where he's like, that's going to be a household term. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might have been like 30 years ago. It's not going to be anymore. <laughs> it's so funny. Like that whole, those two characters together were very funny. But yeah, the screen is just packed with people. Like I don't even yeah. feel like I got into there's all of it. There's so many, and there's so many like parts too. Like it's co- it's really like cohesive. Is that the word I'm thinking of? Like it's very well. Like there's a lot going on, but it doesn't feel like you're in different parts of the movie. Like it's it flows really well together. Yeah. And I will say I this like is one that. of his longer films too. This is like an hour and forty minutes, which yeah. usually they're at least twenty minutes or half an hour shorter than this. Oh, um also I loved the River Mud Warriors. Oh yeah. River Mud Shuffle. That was his um The River Mud Shuffle. <laughs> We're all having fun doing the River it reminds, Mud Shuffle. It sounds like a B fifty two. Oh totally. Like. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah, that's the other tutors in him used to have an, a band together called the River Mud Warriors. And they re get together at a mm-hmm. wedding because a fight's about to break out over how much Potato casserole <laughs> is polite to eat at a wedding before other people have had their first. Which I liked because that's the stupid shit that I pay attention to in social <laughs> settings where I'm like, when can I go get a serving? Fuck, they're eating. No one said they could go eat. That's rude. <laughs> yeah. And to like stop the uh, fight breaking out over the potato casserole, then they like get the band back together and play the river mud shuffle. That is so funny. Like, I, I think that's the that. best scene in the movie, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. One of, the, down. one of the things Matt does is he has this five and a half hour long concert every year called the Motern Day Extravaganza, uh, which you travel to him I want and to. then hang out all day. I really want to go <laughs> and to And do the remote shuffle with a bunch of people, I'm sure. They're um, offering this year, uh, if you get married at the extravaganza, they'll like pay for the... Uh, the marriage fees and stuff so uh, everyone can get do the river mud shuffle at an actual wedding <laughs> and every year the river beast comes out and does a dance party Whoa. there's all these like characters from the film and because it's like an insular community you'll see like Edo Hookins there and like see do they play hamburger helicopter what is hamburger helicopter <laughs> i feel like they played at the extravaganza <laughs> and that's the only is. way you'll know is like if you go there they make these like very <laughs> odd references to a wholesome family game called Helleberg Hamcopter Helleberg? Oh, Hamburger Helleberg. <laughs> can't even say it. Part of me is like, I wonder if it's like each person takes like a side of a hamburger and you spin around with your friends. There is no explanation. And then whatever piece you get when it falls apart, you get to eat. The only thing they say is that it's like a wholesome family game that everyone loves. And that's all we get to know. <laughs> uh, and the number one lover of that game is a child that's only referred to as my husband's son from another marriage. <laughs> And that's his, like, full name, pretty much. And then, you know, spoiler alert, if you can spoil a movie like this, uh, the, guy, think you can. the guy dies later, and it's like, we're going to raise her ex-husband's son from another marriage as if he was our own. Uh, it's so funny. And I think that's another thing. Like, a lot of movies on this scale, they have to entertain you by being gross. Like, they have to have these, like, gross-out gore effects, and they have to be, like, right. really violent. And I think Matt gets away with not doing that because his jokes are actually funny. Right. Like like you were saying before, there's no nudity. There's no, like, cursing. There's no, like, violence. This isn't zombie-ass toilet of the dead. You no. Know? It's like the opposite of that. It's right. It's very wholesome. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it wouldn't be as funny if it had any of that in it. I think it makes it funny because it's not there. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It also worries me. Like if we went to the extravaganza and like met these people, if we would be like too gross for them, like, you know what I mean? 
wouldn't be wholesome enough would, like, to play hamburger helicopter yeah. with everyone. I would curse and <laughs> fart within like 10 seconds and then just have to excuse myself and go back home, you know? <laughs> That's how I feel about it. You can't do the river mud shuffle. Get the fuck. No, get the heck out of get here. Get the heck out of here. I'll spill coffee milk everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> also, like, talking about like how funny the jokes actually are, I think when you watch stuff like this, the impulse usually is like it's so bad it's good is like people like to make fun of like movies that are like kind of bad or like they'll be bad on purpose kind of but Mm -hmm. i don't think this is doing that no it's on that same wavelength but it's like so genuine and heartfelt and like i don't know it's just like well-made version of this type of film it's not camp in the usual yeah. sense it's like uh, a party it's if like I a hangout had film. to compare it to like a mainstream movie would be like the brady bunch movie in the 90s yeah yeah like where the wholesomeness of the family in such an unwholesome time is hilarious whatever the hell you want to call that i mean i guess that is still camp but it's not like sharknado or something where right. it's like trying to be like laughably bad right uh the river beast is not trying to scare you obviously but the vibe is like such a party and so intentionally like kooky and fun that making fun of it would be like completely besides the point. Right. Uh, they're already having fun. You know, you don't have to like add they're having a lot of mockery fun. to that. <laughs> yeah. I like, kind of wish you were there. You know? I know. <laughs> well, speaking of fun, uh, <laughs> the other movie I made you watch is about fun. <laughs> summer fun. <laughs> having some summer fun. Whoa. My new beach theme. It's called Monsters, Marriage, and Murder in Manch Vegas. It's from 2009, <laughs> and it's about good-natured, harmless pranks. <laughs> so this is my favorite one. Oh, really? Like I loved this one. I liked it more th- this time around too. I think it. I think it's just as good as the River Beast movie. <laughs> yeah, I like the River Beast movie, like, but I I don't know why. Like this one made me like laugh so much, and I was like legit interested in what was going on with these like troll log people oh, you mean the gosper caps <laughs> <laughs> yes the gosper caps uh, i will say like i think i do know why you liked this more than river beast and i think it's because this one has the most songs yeah <laughs> you're right i asked you um or cc asked you in the conversation like what about local legends were you more sold on like did it sell you more as a commercial for his movies or for his music and you said that you've been more into his music since right. watching it. So I have, there's like, I don't know what it is, but for a good bit of time when I was a preteen, my goal was to be the female Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, what a beautiful goal. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in that dream. So I would just like write stupid songs and parodies all day. And like, I can listen to like a freaking Weird Al polka song and like, almost die of laughter like i love that kind of stuff so whenever like the music world of motern media is like my jam i love that so much and for this movie he has this album that he does as the uh manch vegas outlaw society moss moss <laughs> i want to be part of moss he recorded so an entire album of 18 songs <laughs> i think maybe half of them are actually in the movie and you only get snippets of them, but you can go on YouTube and listen to the, the full thing. tracks. And yeah, the Summer Fun song is there. Summer Fun's probably the best. Great. I think it's the catchiest. Oh no, my favorite is um, I'm Catching a Killer by Faking an Engagement. <laughs> uh, so the plot of this movie, there's two threats. Uh, one is the Gosper Caps, which is kind of like the trollologs <laughs> from the pit. Uh, in that they're these yetis that live in the woods and really have nothing to do with the plot for most of the film. Uh, they're just like these monsters that might invade at some point. 
the marriage part of the title, Monsters, Marriage, and Murder in Manch Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, is that there is a killer who only kills engaged women. Whenever someone becomes a fiancé, he, he kills them. So this is the best gag of the movie to me. Matt decides that he's going to get fake engaged to his friend to lure the killer in and like basically offer his friend up as bait and then bash the killer over the head when he, when he comes to kill her. So he writes a song about his plan that's like, I'm catching a killer by faking an engagement, yeah. And <laughs> you see a scene of him listening to the song in headphones and like jamming out to it. And he's like, this song's going to be a hit. But we should wait until after we actually catch the killer to release it so we don't let him know that we're on our way. <laughs> that is just a brilliant comedy it's gag. Good. Yeah. But yeah, I really like this idea of like him packing the screen with like these two different types of threats. Like there's no reason why you need these Yeti monster gospel caps and this like serial killer that targets fiancés. Like right. why would you pack both of those like, in the same movie? Your Scooby Doo Moss team can <laughs> find out one of those and it'll be fine. Yeah. So Moss is a gang. (laughs) (laughs) It's three people. And uh, they dress like they're at summer camp. And (laughs) And they like swing into like a river. (laughs) While they listen to their own music. And Uh, They're also... uh, Pranksters and entrepreneurs. They like to uh, they like to have good natured, harmless pranks, and they like to make hot sp- dogs. <laughs> hot dogs and lemonade. <laughs> the hot dog roaster on the radio flyer wagon is so disgusting and amazing. It rem- it's like the OG Lucky Dog cart where they're like slowly roasting on. Oh that yeah, wood yeah, like gas station hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> This movie reminds me of, like, The Adventures of Pete and Pete more than, like, any of the other films. You know what I mean? It's got that, like, summertime, like, magic kind of to it. Like, anything could happen and their days are just, like, filled with adventures. Because it's the summer. One of the Moss songs is called uh, Solving Crimes is Fun. (laughs) He just, like, sings about how it's fun to solve crimes. And, you know, that's why there are two threats. Because it's just fun for them to, like, solve these two different mysteries. You know, and what this movie has that I thought was better than the River Beast was the romance. <laughs> how he like, like, you know how they have those rom-coms where it's like, let's pretend that we're like together, but we really aren't. And then they're like, oh, but I fell in love during pretending. Like, I like how it had that where he like has a thing with the Moss Girl. And yeah, then Jenny. like, <laughs> yeah, Jenny. That's like the conflict of the film, right? Is that Jenny right. wants to be his girlfriend. There's a song about that, too. <laughs> She used to be my friend, but now she is my My girlfriend. girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) She wants to be his girlfriend and go on dates, but he has no interest in dates and he just wants to stage pranks. So instead he lets Jenny go on dates with other people just so that he can prank the dates and like ruin them. One of my favorite parts of this movie was when he like goes to find Jenny at her house and her mom's like, oh, I think she's on a date at Pappy's. And then it zooms into his face and he's like, Pappy's? runs to Pappy's Pizza to find her. It reminded me of Undennis the Menace with Gunther, where it's like, your daddy's at the ice cream store and he wants to take you with him. And Gunther's like, (gasps) and he takes off. It feels like a little kid movie, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. That is like the main conflict, though, Like, right? Like, 
the resolution of the serial killer and the gospel caps doesn't really matter as much as like mm-hmm. this guy finally <laughs> stopping pranking this lady on just her make date. Him stop. Just go on a date with her <laughs> and you can keep your gang and the gang won't fall apart. There's also a uh, local rival in town who is a um the funny thing about River Beast we were talking about like how uh there's just like so many characters. The trailer for Manch Vegas uh, and there's a trailer on YouTube is just them introducing the characters for two full minutes. Like they're like, and this guy and this guy and this guy. <laughs> I have not watched that. It's funny. That sounds great. One of the um, other main players is this local rich kid. You know, they're all in like their thirties. <laughs> like this guy's even older than most of them. He looks like he's like, used to be one of the Ramones. And he's like the local <laughs> rich kid. And he has a Butler who's trying to start a rival gang uh, and goes on dates with Jenny. <laughs> And they uh, want to steal the uh, butler from his other gang to be part of their gang. Oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> this I, I, I'm sorry to, like, went over to your uh, opinion that this is better than it's, River Beast. It's so cool. I love this. It's shorter. There are more songs. And <laughs> for some insane reason, they decided to shoot this on 16 millimeter film instead of, like, digital cameras. Even though this was 2009. And, you know, they'd shot in a lot of movies, digital yeah. pre this and even video before that. So, like, they put all this, like, expensive film in it and it looks really cool. It looks like a uh, summer vacation slideshow. Uh-uh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, like, one of the main questions I wanted to ask you sure. starting off was, like, if you just stumbled upon these movies by yourself and you were just watching them, like, would you have finished them? Like, if I wasn't making you watch, like, these three films... Uh, or would you need, like, someone to push you to do that? I needed the push to find it and, like, go out there and find it. Because I had no idea that they existed. But, I mean, watching them, like, I was genuinely interested in the, like, both of them. Like, I watched them from, well, th- all three of them. Yeah. I don't know why, like, I'm so focused on River Beast and yeah. Manch Vegas. But I think that you can stumble across one of these and you would watch it from beginning to end because it's just entertaining and the whole time. And it's so like quirky where you're like, what else is going to show up during this like, you know, hour and a half a movie? Right. Like what else? That's why I kept watching because I'm like, something weird's going to happen again <laughs> and I want to see it. <laughs> What's Kevin McGee going to do this time? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I watched River Beast first. I think uh-huh. I watched Local Legends. Like, it was like the fourth or fifth I had seen. And... I don't know. I, I really do think, yeah, it needs like a recommendation. It needs like a vouch because mm-hmm. there are so many movies made on this budgetary level that just like really aren't worth your time. Right. Um, unless you know the person who made them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. But these are like special and they're like a really good version of that style of filmmaking. And they're like, the like we said earlier, the joke writing is actually solid comedy gags. So good. I think all three of these films are great and worth watching. I don't know if you would say that as well, or you think Manch Vegas is like the Manch Vegas is just my jam. That's the standout. That's mine. Yeah. Um, but I I like all of them. All I think I them. think Local Legends is still my favorite. But yeah. yeah, I think it's good to watch that first though. Like I was saying, because it kind of like gets you into that whole world. And since the weather is like warming up, I think Manch Vegas is a good summertime watch. Obviously, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, it got me in the mood where I'm like, I kind of want to go to like <laughs> the beach for the weekend, have some summer fun. <laughs> So I know there's like a lot of other movies and the two that I have like that I want to watch next is Freaky Farley and Slingshot Cops. Which do you think should be my next step? I like Slingshot Cops more. You do? And that's his most recent film. Um, I can lend okay. you a copy. Uh, oh, you have a copy? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Yes. I have a Blu-ray of Slingshot Cops. Oh, <laughs> 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 
Uh, yeah, I think wow. I think that one's the most in line with Manch Vegas and River Beast. Yeah, uh, Freaky Farley is him doing more of a traditional slasher with like a uh, peeping tom. There's still a lot of jokes and it's still like over the top and funny, but I think there's like kind of a nastiness to it that these other films don't have. Like, Ugh. I like how wholesome and like cute they are. Yeah. Uh, the the good natured harmless pranks. I I kind of missed that a little bit in Freaky Farley. The clips of Freaky Farley in Local Legends like had me cracking up with yeah. him like laughing like a maniac and uh <laughs> stabbing people with a pumpkin carver yes. yeah i mean the performance is really good i, I think it's worth watching okay. if you're gonna fall into this rabbit hole just, watch you just watch all, all, all. yeah <laughs> uh also we we made a uh motorn media zine for no cas yes. this year so with a with a hand-drawn photo of the hamburger helicopter <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my vision of what that could possibly mean because i have no idea <laughs> Well, I want to ask you for recommendations, too, because you've been listening to his music more than I have. Right. Uh, what, do you have any favorite Matt songs? Um, so right now, the Diarrhea Bounce Back. <laughs> huge hit. Um, <laughs> I love the Diarrhea Bounce Back. And I feel like the the poop songs are never ending. Like right whenever I was like, OK, like I got through the toilet bowl cleaners. And then it's like songs about animal poop. And I'm like, oh, God, here I go again. Like, it's just never ending. Like, I haven't gotten out of the poop world because I'm so obsessed with it. And because there's so much of it. There's so much of it. And what I love about all the poop songs is everything that's happened to you while you've pooped, he is singing about it. (laughs) Like, poop under your fingernails. Poop and peeing simultaneously. (laughs) Pretending to wash your hands. Pooping into a wormhole. We've all been there. (laughs) And then, like... The person in the stall next to me is making funny noises. Like, uh. just every, every like, poop scenario that you've been in, he has a song about it. That's amazing. <laughs> I, know, I know one new project he's been doing is, you know, he has name songs where he'll just sing your name over and over and over again. And he started combining that with the poop songs. <gasps> so it's like, Britney, poop. <laughs> Britney, poop. Britney, 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 poop, poop, poop. <laughs> There's a Britney poop song. I don't know. It probably is. Yeah, I don't have Spotify, so I haven't been able to look that up. A lot of this stuff's on YouTube as well. Yes, yes, yes. You just have to know what the band name is to find it. I want to find a poop song for like a nook, like a pit bull poop, because those are pretty solid. (laughs) Literally? Yeah, they're they're some big ones. Um, (laughs) And then like a poop for my poop. Like, I just want everyone that I love to have a poop song. I mean, if there's something in the world that Matt Farley has not written a song about yet, he will get there. He'll you just get... have to give him time. Because, well, like, was... he must have hit his, like, 20,000, right? Soon. Yeah. Like, within the next year, I think he'll hit Because I was, like, listening to something, and it was a while back, but it was, like, the co- a commentary on Local Legends, and he was like, yeah, I'm at, like, 13,000 now. And I think he's at 19-something right Shit. Now. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's pretty close. Wow. Uh, also, he has a podcast called the Moturn Infomercial Podcast. Uh, so if you want to hear what he's up to every week, he always talks about any press that he gets and he brings on his friends and like trolls them with stuff. So he's like, hey, hey, hear about this? And he like plays like a clip of him being played on the radio or like uh, he plays like like NPR played a song about a bird poop that he sang the other day. <laughs> about the bur- bird turd? Yeah. <laughs> bird turd. Turd from a bird. <laughs> oh, God. The songs are catchy. They're so good. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I recommend the Moturn infomercial podcast. Cool. Also, the Important Cinema Club podcast where I, I found this in the first place. One thing I find really hard in podcasts is, like, anytime there are, like, quote-unquote bad movie or, like, genre film podcasts, they always like to make fun of the movies. It's really hard to find people who, like, genuinely like this stuff. And 
that's kind of why I trusted them with Matt Farley's stuff in the first place is they, they mix in, you know, highbrow art films and like monster movies and talk mm-hmm. about them with the same level of enthusiasm. And I find that very hard to find. So yeah. Important Cinema Club, nice. Motown Infomercial and Swamp Flicks, <laughs> which you're listening to right now. So you don't need me to say that. And uh, we'll come back to y'all in a couple weeks, maybe even sooner. I really want to switch up the formula a little bit. And we need to talk about what that's going to look like. So new show from here on. Yes. But I like closing off this loop with no Kaz. And I think Matt Farley is on our wavelength as well. Yeah. Uh, so this felt like a really good week to close on totally. the original format of the show. Yeah. Rebirth. Rebirth. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he has a poop song about birth. I don't know. <laughs> Always like wonder like if you can... I mean, I know it's not possible, but it'd be a good horror movie where, like, if somebody was, like, having a baby and they accidentally, like, pooped a baby out instead of, like... I know when you have a baby, you always shit, like, a lot. <laughs> like, it... Because you're pushing everything down there. Right. So it just happens. Like, it's like, part of But, like, what if, like, the baby came out your butthole? Have you ever seen Bad Milo? Does that happen? It's a... Yeah, it's <gasps> about a monster that lives up his butt and he gives birth to it. <laughs> Through his... Oh yeah! Whoa! We should, we should watch that. Okay, yeah, I would love, I would love to watch that. Okay, uh, you know, future episode, Bad Milo. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Don't let the river bees get you. Don't let the river bees get you. Don't let the river bees get you. You better watch your back, my friend. Right place, wrong time, and you're dead. Better hide from the shadows that haunt the trees and tread lightly by the water's edge. Something's out there looking at the moonlight in the river town.